What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from Off Guard, and I've got some exciting news. Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi, is officially moving to our own podcast feed. We are now dropping two shows every week. Me and Pasha go way back and talk so much hoops already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on these conversations. Every week, Pasha and myself will hit on the biggest stories happening around the league. Tap into the show twice a week on our new Off Guard feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. On today's episode of One Shining Podcast, it is 2024, and boy, it has been way too long since I have talked to you guys, and I apologize to all the friends of the program, and I appreciate your patience. Uh, we're dealing with COVID on this side of things, and uh, we've just been trying to get it back and get it together. There's been a lot that has happened in college basketball, and today we have Kyle Mann on the show, and we are going to run through everything that we miss in the world of college basketball and beyond. Um, it's going to be a jam-packed show. We're going to do the good. We're going to do the bag. We're going to do the ugly. We're going to talk about all the major storylines in college basketball from Detroit Mercy all the way up to Rick Pitino versus Dan Hurley. So it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a long episode, but we've had a lot that we needed to say and get off our chest. So I'm very excited. And again, appreciate everybody's patience out there and uh, excited for what's going to be ahead this year. Um, Kyle, anything else before we get into today's episode? New year, new me, old Big East. We are back, baby. But first, <laughs> Woody Durham. He takes the timeout. Technical They're foul. The timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. Welcome back to One Shining Podcast. It is the year 2024, and we have been away for way too long. Two weeks indeed. Happy 2024. Happy New Year to all the friends of the program out there. And Happy New Year to you, Kyle Mann. On a Friday, we switched this up. Great to see you, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty well, doing better. I mean, I know we're bouncing back pretty hard. You know, we're we're doing the the Calipari motivational thing. We're, we're trying to bounce back. You were in just dire straits the other day. Yes. Uh, Sound, you sound better though. Sounds like your your congestion even sounds better. Like you you look and sound better. I cannot smell anything. Um, oh, I no. I literally I have just been smelling random things around my house, trying to get. And if you can't figure it out, I do have COVID. Um, I had a fever on Monday, Tuesday, actually, when we were supposed to record due to the holiday. Um, I did not even go out for New Year's Eve. It was literally from traveling that I got this COVID, and uh, I am still battling back. I still feel a little bit foggy. So if I say some things that are uh, dumb or stupid or whatever you want to, you know, qualify it as, I apologize. But I blame, you know, what's going on in my mind right now, which is not likely good excuse. Likely excuse. <laughs> Ta- would we I even love notice? Kyle, is this just a not- convenient? <laughs> I mean, come on. 
Yeah, this is the smart way to play it. Uh, maybe I just do this for the entire year. This is my bit. Um, you know, a lot of people, they say it's for the brand or for the boys. I do it for the bit. You know what I mean? The bit is this. Um, I am not clear headed. I am foggy and uh, you cannot hold anything I say against me. So uh, there you go. So that's the plan for uh, 2024. We're going to have fun. We're going to have a lot of conversations about college basketball because a lot of stuff has happened in college basketball. And you know what we do when we have Manic Mondays. We do the good. We do the bag and we do the ugly. Let's start with the good because I am in. In Los Angeles and LA basketball is not going so great right now, Kyle. Man, uh, UCLA is the unluckiest team in basketball. That is not my subjective view. That is what Kim Palm, we all hail and praise Kim Palm. He says they are the unluckiest team in basketball. Mick Cronin says that teams are packing it in and daring them to shoot. It would be great if a guy like David Singleton was on this UCLA team because they cannot buy a bucket outside of the paint so far this year. So they're struggling. USC basketball, this is supposed to be the year they're a top 20. 25 team. They have Ronnie James. They're going to make a run and it's not going so great, even though they just beat Cal the other night in their home opener in conference play. So that was good news for USC a little bit there. And then we got LeBron James who has turned on the Los Angeles Lakers after hanging the in-season tournament banner. He's not talking to the media. He's leaking that Darvin Ham should not be the head coach of this team. We've seen this deja vu saga before. Um, so LA basketball, let's start there. They are the good guys. Um, of the week. Kyle, man, what are your thoughts on UCLA first and foremost? Are, how concerned are we with Mick Cronin and this team right now? Uh, it's There's a lot of whispering out in these parts, these here parts, Tate, about <laughs> you know where a lot of the things I hear about Mick Cronin are, where is he going next? There's just Ooh. a lot of convo about that. Is there going to be shakeup at IU? Is we, I don't. I think the, the UofL thing is kind of a, let's call it a foregone conclusion. Um, I mean, and then you watch him in the press conferences. He's just kind of he's just kind of like nuclear Mick Cronin. He's nuclear Cronin right now. Yeah, he's, he's really he's, he's throwing really, guys under the bus. He's he's blaming the young guys. He's saying he wish he could have got old guys to transfer there. I mean, it is a lot of a lot of things to digest, to say the least. Yeah, he's he's throwing guys under the bus like one of those. Uh, I don't know. He's he's just like one of those airline like baggage handlers. He's just like the next one comes down, he throws them. <laughs> he throws them. He's just tossing them. Um, there's been some things that you mentioned, you know, the shooting and things like that in the in the pure on court sense. They've had some guys you I blabbed ad nauseum in the offseason about how interested I was in this in this international experiment that they were kind of undergoing undertaking. I don't know. Is Mick Cronin ever going to coach an international guy ever again? I feel like no. this has been these aren't his <laughs> boys. This, you know, this this soft motion kind of thing. These like spacers trading offense and giving up a lot of points he's just he don't he don't play that you know he's a lot like he's of that school of tibsy tibsian caliparian kind of like he, he'd rather guard than uh, he'd rather beat you 50 to to 48 than you know 120 to what that's not gonna happen in college but you get the point um that hasn't translated and i think that's been a big major kind of storyline for the season they haven't gotten you know uh, much production, you know, Buchensell hasn't been, hasn't really played, I don't think, a game yet, so they haven't really gotten anything out of him. And then, you know, Bone is a good player. It's just there's no balance in what they do, so you're just getting this ugly product, ultimately. It's an ugly product, and uh, you can tell the frustration of Mick Cronin. Uh, UCLA fans that are in my life, they are very frustrated. They're like, what is happening? And uh, Michael Lombardi told me this a long time ago. When you start doing remember when things, that's when you know there's a real problem. They had Kevin Love on campus. They're giving him a Letterman jacket. They had Jaime Jaquez on campus. They're giving him a Letterman jacket. They're putting that all out on social media because they're trying to say, hey, remember when things were going well here? Remember when we were making runs in the tournament? Remember those were when cool Mick jackets, though. They like were cool jackets. jackets. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but that, that's the only play they have right now 
And you can see the frustration. You also can see that they do have some talent. I think Bona's very talented. And yeah. uh, he he does have, um, you know, a proclivity to do some dumb things at times. Uh, I think Mac is going to be a good player. He also has a proclivity to do dumb things at times. I mean, Mick Cronin pointed it out. He's trying to jump passing lanes and he's giving up layups. And, you know, Mick has got a short leash, right, with these young guys. He, he pulls them out, puts them on the bench. Then all of a sudden... You don't have a guy out there that can actually help you on the offensive end of the floor and just things go sideways click quickly. Um, the Maryland game was the first game that I really was like, oh, no, I, I'm really concerned about this UCLA team this year because I do like the talent. I thought they had enough talent to be able to contend and compete with some of the top teams. But it all started in Maui. It started to spiral from there and uh, UCLA basketball. I'm, I'm very fascinated because if Mick Cronin is looking elsewhere, which we don't know if that's true. That's all scuttlebutt. But if he does want to go elsewhere and get back to the Midwest or back to the South or, you know, out of Los Angeles, what does UCLA basketball look like post Mick Cronin? What does the next era look like? And uh, that'll be a really fascinating conversation because uh, I, there's a there's a difference between the perception of UCLA nationally and the reality of UCLA right now in the NIL world. And Mick Cronin has basically let us know that in the NIL world, they are not competing as a blue blood. And uh, if you're not competing, competing as a blue blood in the NIL world, then it changes kind of the tenor of the job and guys you go after. Um, so UCLA, let, let's just like bottle it up right there. They're, they're going to be a conversation for us as we move in, uh, you know, into the new year. USC, on the other hand, we get the Bronny James experience against Oregon State. He has 15 points. He looked great in that game, played some great defense, got some great highlights. You know, he and Isaiah Collier had a nice little alley-oop moment against Cal. Uh, LeBron James, after the Oregon State game, pointed out to the world, he's doing this on a minutes restriction. I was waiting to see how they could frame this as Bronny's not coming off the bench because of basketball reasons, but because of other reasons. And they have done that flawlessly. And Bronny does look good. What What are your thoughts on Bronny James so far? Because in the in the first few outings when he's actually been able to get some run, I have been impressed uh, at how he's played so far. So I do want to give him his credit. Uh, he's, it's, it's a lot of what we talked about earlier in the year. I mean, he's, he's kind of stayed true to what we knew about him in the past. He's got sort of a subtle game. I, I've, I've been kind of waiting for him to, I, I thought that he would exist as a nice kind of fulcrum between Boogie Ellis and between Isaiah Collier. Um, cause he's a deferring player. I, I really was hoping that we could see him just be a little bit more aggressive. You mentioned the points, uh, against Oregon state. They, it was an ugly basketball game. God, the first half of that game, there was, there was a point <laughs> where there were like 10 turnovers in a row by both teams. Mm -hmm. Uh, they were just begging the other team to win. Um, you know, he shot the ball decently well. He's he's just kind of more of a connector, you know, two for six against Oregon State from three. But, you know, he had one he had, at one point he th had an alley-oop pass that went in the basket. Uh, that, that was an interesting <laughs> one. Um, but overall, I, you know, you saw some of the transition speed. Uh, the big thing here is that, like, the lineup data supports that he's good. It's just the sample size isn't good enough yet. You've got that Brawny, Boogie, Kobe, Rodman, Morgan lineup is plus 23.7 when it gets to play uh, together, 118.6 offensive rating. Um, I just think over, this, over the course of the season, the more aggressive we see him get, uh, the more aggressive we see him play defense and trigger their transition and things like that, um, the better USC will be. Now, what's their ceiling as a team? I would, you know, I'd, I'd throw that in conversation to you. I still think this team has a bunch of kind of um, sort of fatal flaws that like are going to kind of limit their ceiling. Um, what, what do you think it is? Is this a team that even is like a tournament team? Where, where are we? 
I think they are uh, going to be in contention to be a tournament team, but they should also be trying to focus on the Pac-12 tournament. You know what I mean? Let's try to win the Pac-12 tournament. That's what I let's let's sure it up that we're actually going to be in the tournament because we have to be because we actually qualified by winning the Pac-12 tournament. That's how their focus should be. I do think they have talent in the building. Um, I think Andy Enfield is a good guy. That's why they're on, uh, you know, a part of the good. I think he really is. I think he's trying to figure out the right rotations with this team because of that talent that they have. We don't talk enough about DJ Rodman. I know we're going to talk about Bronny. We're going to talk about Boogie. We're going to talk about Kobe, uh, which is what great names this team has, by the way. I mean, they have great brand power, um, but I wish the basketball could match the brand power. I still think that they're going to have some big wins at Oregon. uh, Shout out Oregon. They they played great in that game. I like some of their young guys. uh, You know, KJ is one of those guys that I really liked. Um, KJ Evans um, coming out, and he looked good against uh, USC. But in that game, the reaction was, Bronny James needs to stay another year in college. You saw all the people aggregating that. Then the next game, he plays Oregon State, and everyone's like, oh, my God, get this guy to the NBA ASAP. He needs to help his dad with the Lakers. Um, so it's good. It was a nice response from Bronny. I think USC still has a lot to figure out, and uh, I don't think their at-large resume is going to get them in the tournament, to say the least. So I, I'm going to leave it there and hope that uh, they figure things out before the Pac-12 tournament. That That's the best-case scenario. And they could get a big win at home against Oregon, right? They have some good games coming up uh, at the end of, uh, end of January, leading into February. So there's some opportunities to kind of change the national perception of this team. And uh, maybe top 25 was a little bit ridiculous at the start of the year, but you know, everybody wanted to believe in something. Same with St. John's and Patino. You know, sometimes with the preseason rankings, you just want to buy into the hype. And uh, I don't blame all of us for wanting to buy into the hype of Bronny James and USC. Yeah, I think when you see three guards on paper like the ones that they had, it made sense. Like, I think you could project the two scoring kind of minded guards in Collier and Ellis, and then you put the guy between them like we were talking about. And that just seems like something that would make sense. It seems like they'd be fast and be able to score. So you give them the benefit of the doubt, but they also just can't they also just can't guard anybody, Uh, you know, in their in their last five games. Uh, their defensive rating is 111.5. Uh, they just, that that that's going to be the biggest issue for them. And they're super turnover prone uh, at this point. So like you said, they're going to have a chance to kind of, is it Kwame Evans or is it KJ Evans? I've, I've always heard Kwame. Does he go by KJ? I think he is junior. And when he was in high school, everybody called him KJ. But now like in the uh, college basketball ranks, like in the broadcast, they call him Kwame. And then I'm saying to myself, uh, you know, you might not want to be Kwame considering the basketball history history of a Kwame Brown. So maybe you go for the branding purposes to KJ. You know what I mean? So I'm going to stick with KJ. uh, But I think you can go either way with that. And also, if you're a freshman, they don't care what your name is. You know what I mean? You almost have to like earn your name where they they get it right. So we'll leave it there. And we could talk about the Lakers because, again, L.A. basketball is all included in this, but I don't feel like doing that. So we'll just leave it there. Bronny James is basically a conversation about the Lakers, and I'm sure we'll see LeBron on the sidelines very soon. Honorable mention of the good Tony Bennett and Bennett Ball. There is a crisis going on right now. They lost to Notre Dame, which is not a good thing to do this year, even though Micah Shrewsbury is a good coach. This team is not very good. They have been able to compete in some games and uh, against uh, NC State the other night was a really good game for them. They almost won. DJ Burns, shout out to him at the end of the buzzer. But Tony Bennett Ball, 
you see the people's reaction. Uh, you see Virginia fans are spiraling a little bit with this. They're saying, what's going on? We have no offense. Um, if you watch them play on offense, they're doing the classic thing where they have a good shot, but they decide not to take the good shot because they're trying to run down the shot clock um, because that is Bennett Ball. Um, it just seems like an identity crisis a little bit there with Virginia. They were supposed to be a tournament team. They're supposed to be a team that's going to contend for the ACC. They are not close to being that right now. Um, and now there's people wondering if this style of play works in today's game because 2019 feels like eons ago, even though it was only four years ago. Are we worried about Tony Bennett? Are we worried about Bennett Ball? And uh, what are your thoughts on Virginia right now? Uh, it seems like the talent would be the biggest thing here. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna be like really, we always talked about like those teams. They sh they shot the three really well. They always had a lot of ball skills on the floor, but they also had the flip side of balancing that with guarding you. And if you think about like UCLA. Like we were talking about, they want to guard you, but they can't. They just don't seem to be able to. They can't shoot it, so they're not being able to balance those two things really well. Um, Virginia, though, I'm just thinking about like you. You've talked a lot about how the game has has changed, like schematically and the way people play. I'm kind of thinking about is there, you know, taking the UCLA thing again and putting those two side by side. And I'm just looking at both of those are great academic institutions. You're looking at like in this modern NIL world that's cutthroat, that is, you know, playing playing a different game, the, the landscape has shifted a lot. Are they going to be able to continue to keep up? Like, is there, is there, I would, I would, I would ponder that to you. Like, is there sort of like a, a commonality between those two schools um, in terms of like the types of type of talent that they're able to get? We saw UCLA try to get creative in this, in this Tony Bennett era is you think that there's some like sort of malaise on his part of like, I see this new landscape. I see the way these things are going. Maybe I don't necessarily want to play that game in terms of like how is he? I'm just wondering, is there is he going to like hang it up? Like, was he talking to Jay Wright and he's just feeling uh, like maybe there's a good time to step away and have a balanced, healthier lifestyle? Or is this a response to kind of the way the landscape has moved? Like, is Virginia going to continue to be able to get the type of talent that they did in the past? Yeah, when you swing and miss in the transfer portal, it hurts. And Virginia is a perfect example of that. I mean, Groves has been their best transfer to come in, and he's not been, you know, a world beater by any means. So, I mean, they've had guys they tried to bring in. They tried to identify guys that would be Virginia kids that they could bring in through the portal. And when it doesn't hit, you see it. I mean, they, they really have two guys on the floor that you're saying, okay, they are good enough to be guys that could help Virginia contend for the ACC. When you talk about Ryan Dunn, you talk about Reese Beekman, you know, you got you got two guys and then you got three guys that look scared shitless out there, right? So <laughs> that's really their starting five. So you're two for five. You're 40% on the floor of guys who could actually contend and compete. And I think that's probably what's frustrating to Tony Bennett because he's like, I can't even put you know, a roster together that I feel like in wholehearted, you know, in reality, I, I can't really say that they could win the ACC. I got two guys who could, but there's nobody else on this roster. So I think that is frustrating. I think with admissions and, uh, you know, with the certain caliber kid that you have to recruit to Virginia, that's going to be difficult with the the fact that guys that go in the portal say, I need the X amount of money. That's not Tony Bennett's MO. That's not Virginia's MO. They don't want to yeah. play that game. And I don't blame them for feeling that way. Um, but that is the world that we live in. And if he doesn't want to live in that world, as Jay Wright didn't want to live in that world, or Roy Williams, or Coach K, or Jim Beheim, or whoever it is, you know, that you want to circle as far as that ilk of coaches, it makes sense that he may say, this isn't for me. And, uh, you know, I got my guy Sanchez right here, Coach Sanchez that I brought from Charlotte, and, and he's sitting right next to me, and he's got head coaching experience, and I brought him here. We were at Washington State together, and who knows what the future looks like. So... 
I think Tony Bennett is something as we get into the new year, right? It's trying to circle, you know, storylines to watch. UCLA basketball is a huge storyline to watch. What does what does it look like if Mick Cronin is not that guy? Virginia is in a very you know similar situation. What does it look like at Virginia if it's not the Bennett ball world that we've been living in? And what does Tony Bennett's future look like if he doesn't want to live in the present moment of college basketball? So that's why they're the good. Um, they are the ultimate good guys right now. So uh, Bennett Ball is a is a conversation you and I will continue to have. Let's talk about the bag because Shaka Smart was in his bag playing great defense. Um, some of the best defensive slides you'll see from a head coach in basketball. Uh, we've seen this before. Tom Crean used to do this back in the day uh, early in his time in Indiana. He would be on the court trying to play defense. The coach's box used to be this sacred thing where if you watch basketball in the early 2000s, 90s, 80s, whatever it was, if you saw a coach... You know, big John Thompson's outside the coach's box. Everybody watching the game's like, tee him up, tee him up. He's outside the box. Now we don't even talk about the coach's box, even though it still should be a technical foul. But against Baylor Shireman, um, you know, Baylor Shireman's trying to go left. He's trying to go to the corner, and Shaka Smart is right there uh, with his hands up playing defense. It was an amazing double team, um, and that's why he's bad guy of the week because he was in his bag on defense. What are your thoughts on Shaka Smart playing defense? And uh, there's been a lot of conversation about this, and I thought it was fascinating. Uh, first of all, you know, I, I think my guy either he must do yoga or something because, you know, Shaka's 46 years old, which is, you know, not that that's I, I think we over we overplay, you know, how much you decline. You can still move at 46, maybe not yeah. as consistently on a daily basis. Um, you know, I see some 46 year olds here and there in my in my pickup life. Uh, but I was just going to say, you know, he, he gets way, way, way down in a stance. You know, Tyler Kolick made the point that, you know, he couldn't really slide in that stance as low as he got. He kind of had to stand <laughs> back up. But the anatomy of the, the 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 possession that we're talking about is really interesting here. So, you know, uh, our guy Baylor catches, Shireman catches the ball along the, the I guess, the right sideline, the, uh, the upper sideline on the broadcast. And, you know, initially... He he's standing. He's sort of standing down in in that low stance. He's but then he's directly behind Shireman, and then he takes two <laughs> shuttles to I guess to his left, and his one of his feet is completely on the floor. Granted, yeah. like Shireman is like five or six feet away from him, very very close. And then he takes another shuttle to the to the left, and he's com completely on the floor. Now I know like a lot of the Marquette players are trying to downplay this. We love Shaka. We love Marquette. We love watching Marquette. We love watching. I love Cam Jones's response. He's like, "That's my coach." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. They're all trying to be like, "He's with us. He's with us." That's all really great. You know, we know Kyle is like one of the biggest Sean Jones fans on earth. He's texting yeah. us in his downtime. He is. Thinking he of, is Kyle's of, guy. Sean Jones. Congratulations. You are officially Kyle's guy this year. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, he's texting us that he's like, hey, guys, I'm at Frolic. I was just wondering what Sean on is. He's, you know, creeping on Sean Jones Instagram, wondering what he's doing. You know, hey, how you doing? Drop a DM. That didn't really happen. I'm kidding. But like you're watching Shaka and he's he's fully on the court. So, I mean, it's like I, I, I'm charmed by his enthusiasm like anybody else. But like it's too much. <laughs> I mean, I, I think Shaka knows. I'm sure that he got a note from the Big E's being like, hey. Don't do that again. Uh, it was potentially dangerous. You know, like what if yeah. what if Shireman had like decided to pull his head down and the defender, I forget even who was guarding him, like backpedaled a couple steps and fell into Shaka. Like it, it was just it was just a little bit much. And I, it was I enjoyed I enjoyed Sam Decker, you know, Wisconsin Marquette, that sort of like chippiness. I enjoyed seeing that. He said that's a technical. It was a little over the line, literally and figuratively. I just thought, uh, <laughs> I don't know. That That's kind of where I am.
It's definitely a technical. Uh, that's just <laughs> yeah. what it comes down to. And I and I think we have let the coaches get away with too much. And I, and I think like Shaka is now going to be the face of this a little bit. But I mean, if you watch Kansas play UConn earlier in the year, at, at, you know, out in Lawrence, Kansas, I mean, Bill Self is on the court. I mean, uh, all the way out, like when his like near half court talking to his team. You know, same thing with Dan Hurley. All these coaches have so, have gotten so brazen about the fact that they can go wherever they want to go to get in contact with their team that we have to do something. And Shaka has taken it a step further to say, I'm going to have my hands up and I'm basically going to be a deterrent on defense to help my team. I'm going to be the sixth man. And now that we've gotten to that point, they have to do something about it. You're right. We love Shaka. We love Marquette. I also do not blame the Creighton fans for being as upset as they are because it is ridiculous. And the next time it does happen... If I'm Baylor Shireman, I drive right at Shaka. Oh, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I try like to get that. him to see if he has legal guarding position. Yeah, exactly. I'm going at you. Yeah, take a charge. I mean, I saw Dan Hurley take a charge one time, so I would love to see Shaka Smart take a charge. And uh, I think that's what, if I was Coach McDermott, that's what I would say to Baylor. I'm like, next time he's on the court, go right at him, make the official make a call, um, and make him feel your presence. And maybe next time he won't be out there. And, you know, look, as long as you can get away with it, you're going to do it. So um, that's just what the world that we live in. So Shaka Smart, shout out to you for playing defense. Uh, you're in your bag, and that's why you're part of the bag. Also sure. a guy in his bag. Oh, no, no. One more thing on Shaka. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, I, wa watching that play made me wonder. I was like, do, do you think they should maybe like move the benches back just a little bit? Like, I know yeah. in the NBA, they don't want to do that because of like the real estate for like seats that generate a lot of dollars. I know sometimes they give those away, but should they move the move it back? It's we're just in this golden age of like, hey, I think Steph. I don't know. I don't know who did this. Either it was Steph. We're in the golden age of like turn and say something to the bench like that. That's going on at every level. Every three that gets made. I swear to God, that has skyrocketed in recent <laughs> years. Whoever makes a three, they have to turn around and look like it doesn't matter. The coaches are on the court. I'm just kind of wondering if we should. We had the problem with Theo Pinson, your guy, a couple of years yeah. ago in the playoffs. They were like, Theo, back up, sit down. He like wouldn't do it. Didn't matter. I just it, something has to kind of be tweaked. I feel like for this, like in it, this in this realm. In my world, it's like uh, the play, the actual gameplay is kind of like Dylon in the Dave Chappelle skit when he was doing Making the Band, you know what I mean? And and Wyclef gets too close to him. And he's like, you're too close, man. You know what I mean? Like that, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Like we're, we're all just a little too close and we need to pull back a little bit. And I think Theo, I mean, he was wearing like the same color, right? As like he was wearing like his whites or whatever as the team too. So there was like, the, it, I mean, it is gamesmanship, right? At some level. So you have to respect the gamesmanship. But when the gamesmanship is a affecting the actual gameplay, that's when there needs to be someone to step in and make a difference and make a change. So uh, Shaka Smart, please stop playing defense. Um, but also, I do respect the hustle. So we got to we gotta say that. Um, another honorable mention for the bag, Will Wade. Uh, Will Wade goes and beats Michigan. Um, this is the first Big Ten win for McNeese. Um, they have moved on from state. They are no longer McNeese State. They are just McNeese. Um, I have been reached out to to say that is the case. They're pulling the Memphis. Uh, Memphis was once Memphis State. Now they're just Memphis. So Shout out to Will Wade. They beat Michigan. They get the celebration. Um, everyone's talking about how incredible of a job Will Wade is doing. What is the next step for Will Wade? What is the next job for Will Wade? We have done a complete 180 from a PR standpoint on, on Will Wade in general. But what do you think about this team? Because he did put a really good team together, and they are fun to watch, and there's some guys to highlight on this roster. Yeah, well, talking about ends of the spectrum, you know, people who are sort of like plugging their nose and but I don't know that it's necessarily the coaches. It's probably more just sort of the the machinations around some of these coaches that like, well, well maybe I, I would say 
I would say Cronin and Bennett are probably on different islands in terms of their their like appetite to play the game and go get guys and play play the play in this new landscape in this new sta- sandbox that we have. And you want to talk about somebody that has no aversion to playing the game, and that's you know that's Will Wade. He's he's out there. He'll do whatever he has to do. He he. I think he kind of knew in the LSU situation. Hey, everybody's framing me as the bad guy. I'm the good guy. I'm the mm-hmm. hero in this story. He he knew the whole time, and I think it's amazing how. We all were just like, this is so ri-. the outrage was so hilarious during the LSU <laughs> years where people were just like, this guy he won't even quit. They were just like, you know, it's like, <laughs> and now we and now we've come all the way back around to people being like, hell yeah, Will Wade, gunslinger. Um, but he has, he's assembled a group here. I, I was telling you, you know, we were watching, you know, the Michigan thing is a separate story unto its own. But uh, I wanted to sort of like use this as a time to kind of highlight some of, I won't call them Kyle's guys. That's copyrighted. We'll think of another <laughs> name for it. But these are just, these are my PT peers. Uh, mm. You know, Dickie V, all hail to you. Um, I'll, I'll give you credit on that one until I think of my own name. But the first one that I wanted to bring up was Shahada Wells. Yeah. This is a guy <laughs> playing for McNeese talking about going and just sourcing players. This is a dude who started out two JUCO years. Shout out to all my JUCO guys. You know, Matt Curley, I know is a big JUCO guy. Sean Gutting, another coach that's a buddy of mine. You know, there's there's a lot of them out there. It's a very tight-knit, loyal community. He plays two years at Tyler, Texas. Transfers for one year to UT Arlington. Transfers again two years at TCU. A normal person, their career would be over. Not Shahada <laughs> Wells. He goes on and gets his uh, COVID year, I assume, and he's now at McNeese. Not not another sidebar here, but I have a family member that played football for McNeese, and he always said McNeese, so that's why I said that. But uh, Shahada Wells is 24 years old, dude, and he's been mm. um, been tearing it up. You know, he's got that has like almost a 31 percent usage. You know, he had 30 points against Michigan. He had a, he dropped a 36 piece on UAB. He's been scoring. He's been disruptive. He's been tearing it up, man. Shahada Wells. That's my that's my first guy. That's a name to know, Shahada Wells, and uh, he played great in this game. And I do like this team. And I, or Larry Brown told me this one time. He's like, every idiot can go in a gym and tell you who the best player is. The difference is, can they get them to come play for you? And I think that Will Wade has the ability to not only identify who the best players are, but to to convince them that playing for him will be something that will change their life. And that is something that is so old school. But in today's climate, it works and it hits so well. And he's basically saying to the NCAA, um, you know, do something about it. And he's been he's been doing that from day one. You know what I mean? He's like, do something about it. And they're, they really have no power to do anything about it. And the less power that the NCAA has, the more power Will Wade gains. And Will Wade is on his way. And by beating a Big Ten team, that just sent a message, I felt like, uh, around the college basketball world that he's here He's ready and he is willing to, uh, you know, entertain some offers that may come his way because he loves a strong ass offer. We do know that. And, uh, he, you know, he's Willie the kid. He, he's living the dream right now. So um, shout out to Will Wade. That was a big win. Uh, that was the bag. Now let's do the ugly because the ugly is the other side of that game. Jawan Howard. Jawan Howard is three and seven since he came back to the bench for Michigan. It was supposed to be a, a team this year that had some talent. They started out the year great. Uh, we were talking about Phil Martelli um, and the fact that this Michigan team was going to be a surprise in the Big Ten and they might be able to contend in the Big Ten. And they just look absolutely lost right now. I mean, Doug McDaniel at the end of this last game against Minnesota, he just looked just, I mean, completely just broken. Um, is, uh, there's no other word to put it. And he didn't really have other teammates coming over to help him you know, console him in that feeling. 
Um, and now you got Michigan fans that are upset about Jawan Howard. They're saying, when does this end? Uh, we want to be done with the Jawan Howard experience. And now cut back to two years ago, people were saying this was the greatest hire ever. When Mike Woodson got hired, they were saying, oh, this they, they wish they could get a hire as much of a home run as Jawan Howard has been. So we have changed uh, very quickly. Things have changed very quickly for Michigan. And that's why he, he is the ugly right now. What are your thoughts on Jawan Howard's tenure and just this Michigan team? Because they do have talent. Like I, I do see guys on this team that I really like. Yeah, as six top 40 players on this team, they do have a lot of talent, um, you know, four-star kind of players mostly on this team. But interesting kind of in Michigan, if you look at it, there's an interesting duality in that state right now of the football has never been better. You know, Michigan, the football team back in the national championship <laughs> right. game for since the first time in like, what, the early 90s? When was the last time Michigan football was in the championship game? I can't even remember. I think it's the late night. Yeah, like 97 or something like that. Yeah, somewhere Was it the there. Woodson year that they, did they go to the title that year? I can't remember. I think so. I Rose can't remember, Bowl. though. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But back then, the system was so weird because they just played bowl games and they're like, the AP has decided you are the national champion. You know what I mean? So football yeah. is just strange in general. So, yeah, I, I think yeah, late 90s, 90s. Yeah, yeah 30 you years. Got the, then you get the Lions doing well and everything, but then you got the Pistons, who are like the bleakest basketball team on earth, other than another team in Detroit that we can talk about. But overall, this is a team that you know they played some good teams. You know they they're twenty second strength uh, strength of schedule overall. They played St. John's, and they they kind of they were kind of the wet blanket on the St. John's thing that we were so excited about. I, I know you remember that where we were like, hell yeah, <laughs> Patino, let's fucking go. And then Michigan came in and was like, not so fast, my friend. And then uh, you know they played Memphis, they played Stanford. They played Texas Tech, and they're gonna have, they're gonna have a good schedule as we know in the Big Ten. But overall, this is a team that's similar to kind of the similar stuff to the Arizona situation where they can score the ball. I mean, they've got um, you know overall they're shooting the ball really really well. Their spot up efficiency is 30, 38.6, and they're shooting it really well in the pick and roll thirty eight point five. But they hemorrhage points in the paint. This team mm -hmm. is one of the worst teams in the country at defending the paint um, thirty five point seven. And if you look. If you strain their non-perimeter decision makers, and this is something that I noticed against uh, Magnese is, uh, I'm going to continue to say it wrong uh, in honor <laughs> of my cousin. Um, <laughs> anytime that Magnese strained uh, Michigan's decision makers, they, they got a steal. They were just shooting gaps because those guys, their front court guys were just not making good decisions. So this is a team that just... Um, I don't know, man. It, it, it's making me wonder. The Indiana and the Michigan situations are both really interesting to me. It's like I, I feel like the bitter taste is a lot more potent in Michigan. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Juwan's obviously had issues that I think you have to take into consideration. But um, I think their their fans are ready to move on. There's just a weird taste in, in, in the in the in the program overall. Michigan is is a program that has a great history that you would think could attra attract you know, a talented young coach. I don't know who that would be, but the thing is, there's going to be a lot of jobs available this spring. I feel like if they do choose to make that move and it's like, who would they go get if, if they did choose to make that move? Bring back Beeline. I mean, I think that's a simple answer. I think John Beeline is around. I think John Beeline would jump at the opportunity. He now, though, man? He's, he's still be young enough. He's still in his 60s. He can still do it. Is and he I in think his 60s? He's Are in his 60s. Sure? He's in his 60s. Let's Google it. Uh, but he's in his 60s in my mind. And if you bring back Beeline for like three, three to five years, what, what is he, Kyle? 70. Son of a bitch. 
bring him back well, for, bring him back for three years, seventy to seventy three, and and write the ship. Because at the end of the day, Jawan Howard went to a program that was an elite program. He inherited an elite program that he was supposed to then take it to that next level, right? I mean, to a national championship level, like he did when he played there at Michigan. Like, let's get in that conversation. And they already really were there. I mean, we obviously saw that with Beeline. So they have to figure out something. I, I do feel like maybe Jawan Howard, you go to the Pistons, uh, you be an assistant coach, you help Monty, you know what I mean? You you do that whole thing. Um, maybe that's like a win-win for the the state of Michigan. Maybe not. I don't know. Assistant, uh, assistant, right? Assistant. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Assistant for Monty. Monty's not going anywhere. They're paying him a lot of money. I mean, they're basically going to let him figure it out, I guess. The most I, money, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Way too much money. Uh, but shout out to him for getting the bag. We love to see it. Um, but yeah, Juwan, I, I just feel like with his, with his kids there, with all the incidents, I mean, it has just kind of been... Um, you know, it just hasn't been great. And I think the Woodson situation is way less dire than this Michigan situation because the Michigan fans, if you just look at the crowd in that Minnesota game, they're sending a message where they're like, we don't care. We don't want to be here. We want to get to the next thing. And, um, I, I am going to be fascinated to see how that's all handled. And Jawan Howard, how he handles the media and all the fallout will be also fascinating. So that's why it's ugly. It, it is ugly uh, for Michigan basketball right now. But on the flip side, um, one of my Michigan friends told me he would take 10 more years of Jawan Howard if they won the national championship on Monday night. So um, they, as someone who made a deal with the devil once upon a time to kill Coach K, uh, it's a dangerous game. You say all these things and, uh, you know, you think it's all going to work out. But then, you know, you you have there's an other side um once you make these deals so uh just just be wary of that so yeah you know i mean like khaleesi you know she before she was daenerys at the time but you remember she yeah. made the deal to keep call drogo alive and she paid the price you know yeah. blood magic has a price i think we've <laughs> learned that and that was a real example that we can Cat, apply Cat to williams just told us all that you know what i mean so uh <laughs> i was listening to some of that yesterday i watched the whole thing i mean obviously i have covid so i have nothing better to do i watched that for two hours and 40 I've never minutes never done whenever. a hard drug in my life i'm raising he, children yeah he's he incredible was, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've never I've never been so uh, fascinated by an interview and it was so good. So shout out to Cat Williams uh, for letting us know that y you have to walk with God um, and he's the only one that can give you blessings. Um, so shout out. To why him. do liars lie? We don't know. I, I when he said that, I was like, you know what? I don't know why liars lie, Cat. That's I, I do not know. Question. That's a great Never thought about that. I mean, shit. Shout out to Shannon Sharp, by the way. I thought he did a great job uh, with that interview. So, uh, you know, a lot of people are like are gatekeepers with journalism, um, you know, and we know how Cat Williams feels about gatekeepers. Uh, but Shannon Sharp, he did a great job just like with great follow up questions. He really wanted to defend his guys, but he really yeah. couldn't. And I'm a Mark Curry guy, by the way, like hanging with Mr. Cooper was one of my favorite oh, shows. Yeah. Um, so when all that was coming out, I, I'm I'm like doing the calculus in my brain and I'm like, oh, my God, he's right. <laughs> you know what yeah, I, mean? I was like, well, I was like Mark Curry, good guy. I was like, that was that was refreshing to hear. I was happy. I hadn't checked yeah. in with him in a while. You know, Kyle, Kyle as a producer, would you have left as much like ambient sound of Shannon Sharp drinking? Like there was a lot of just kind of like like him, just ambient noise of him drinking something. I just I thought the editing maybe was a little sloppy, but I maybe they communicated that there were beverages. It was kind of all part of the process. We're talking about it, so I guess it was a positive. It's it's, it's funny to hear when. Uh, Shannon doesn't know what to say and he just drinks. So maybe that's why they do it. Because <laughs> he's done that a couple that. times. He's just you can you <laughs> can hear him. Like he's had he had someone on who talked about like 
I don't know how many people she had sex with, and he's just like drinking <laughs> liquor. He's he's just like he he doesn't know what to say, and like you know, if you don't have the the visual of him looking really frazzled, I think the sound of uh, ice clinking in the glass and and uh, you know slurping is. I think it, I think it works. Maybe maybe only for Shannon. Maybe that's not a rule of thumb, but I think for Shannon, maybe. I just I just loved his reactions to some of the stuff when he was talking about. Obviously, you know, Shannon's friends with Cedric and all these other guys he was talking about. And he's like, damn, cat. I was driving home last night and he was like, he's over there looking like a walrus. I like fucking lost it. I lost my mind. I was like, this dude. Anyway, he's uh, he's a trip. I love Cat. I always have. Poor little yeah. Tink Tink. Uh, yeah, yeah, poor little Tink Tink. And and you know, I've seen Cat Williams do stand up. I saw him in Raleigh, uh, probably what, twenty thirteen, over ten years ago now. One of the best shows I ever went to. I saw Chappelle that same year. They both were incredible. And uh, I also love that he's like Dave Chappelle's the goat. So, uh, you know, he's he's kind of, you know, making sure that we're all staying on the straight and narrow. And I like that he was like, I'm not jealous. You know what I mean? Like, let me explain how I actually feel. I just don't like liars. <laughs> I, and I, I love that he was talking about money. We're really on this now. I, I was really I love that he was talking about money, Mike, as if he was like describing like Michael Corleone. Like he was I describing all the all the details of next Friday as if it was like a cinematic, which is a great funny movie. But like the, the seriousness and the care that he was talking about that character i was like uh it was it was good stuff he also read the encyclopedia by the age of eight so uh you know cat williams never judge a book by its cover because he is honestly it sounds like a genius and a prodigy so shout out to cat williams um one last thing on the ugly uh the tj shannon situation um that is ugly and uh you know there's shift yeah (laughs) yeah well i mean that that is just like uh indefinite suspension he's out for illinois uh we don't know any other details to really get into it but have to highlight that as the ugly because my goodness that is a that is a story that is going to continue and bear out the rest of the season but it does change who illinois is as a team Grab your game day gear because college basketball is back and FanDuel wants you to join in on all the fun right now. New customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's a pretty good deal. Um, If you're looking for some CBB bets right now, you can go on FanDuel Sportsbook and look at some of the futures. If you're looking at the conference odds, um, you know, Villanova's 3-0 in the Big East, so maybe you want to bet on them to win the Big East. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to join than now. The app is so easy to to use and there are so many different ways to bet live same game parlays easily find bets in the explore tab dive into the parlay hub the best way to find popular parlays and more so visit fanduel.com osp and make this college hoop season one you won't forget must be 21 or older and president in select states. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube. 
car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Now let's do it in case you missed it. Christmas break edition, because there's a lot to happen in college basketball over the break. And uh, we've been gone for two weeks, so we got to catch up. Um, let's start with Rick Pitino, because we love Rick Pitino. Number one character on our board, OSP this year. Rick Pitino, he led UConn at the half in Harford um, last year in the NCAA tournament. He led UConn at the half with Iona. If you put those two halves together, um, he That's has beaten UConn. Yeah, that is a win. So uh, in my mind, Rick Pitino has beaten UConn. So shout out to Rick Pitino. Big win uh, if you put those two first halves together. But now we got beef because Rick Pitino and Dan Hurley are going back and forth in the media. It's very old Big East. Rick Pitino said they will be playing the game against UConn next year at Karnaseka Arena. He is going to make them come to Queens so that he can have the home court advantage. Uh, Dan Hurley, when asked about this, says that he only thinks about the next game. He's obsessed with the next game. Um, the most hardo answer he could ever give and the passion behind it. If you didn't watch the clip is incredible. Um, but there is real beef right now between the Yukon fans and the St. John's fans and the Yukon fans are saying, you guys don't do anything these days. Shut up. You have nothing to say. St. John's fans are saying, look at the history books. Look at how many wins we have. We're in this conversation. It is a very, very fun rivalry, and it is taking it up to a different notch right now with these two coaches. Where do you stand on Pertino versus Hurley? Do we love it or do we hate it? Because I kind of, I'm falling in love with it, and I need more of it every single day. Where do I stand on it? My God, <laughs> I stand firmly in the camp of like wild enthusiasm. These yeah, two guys, we need just it. the fact, yeah, just the fact that, um, you know, I, I love Steve Massey. I love every element of this. You know, I love the fact that he's going to force them to play in the Carnesecca Center that seats. 5,600 people opened in 1961. That was just a little bit of research <laughs> that I did on that one. But uh, I loved uh, I loved Steve Mazziello going to Twitter to to defend his guy, Steve Mazziello. That was great. Uh, yeah, who Steve Mazziello that I encountered at Kings Island one time in Cincinnati. Uh, he was shooting. Uh, the, you know, you know how they have like the uh, the the Papa shot thing where you could win. Like, I don't know if they still do this, but you'd win a ball or something. Steve Masiello was shooting like the deep three pointer, like no effort. He had like a girl with her. He was impressing her. I'll never forgot that. Shout out to you, <laughs> Steve Masiello. Um, I just love it. I, I even think that Hurley even threw a couple subtle jabs at Patino. I was telling you, I thought in his, in his answer, he was, he was kind of downplaying the, the quality of the pressure from St. John's, which if you know anything about Patino, that's like, insulting Patino's family. Like if you were in yeah. his legacy, you were like, you know, the pressure wasn't so good. Patino's like, I will cut you with a knife. You know, that's, that's mm -hmm. like a deep insult to him. Um, I love this though, you know, like, um, to quote Lombardi though, like you just did, you know, if you're having to bring up, you know, the, the, the past, that's when you're in trouble, you know, St. John's does, they got to do something, you know, I, I, I don't blame UConn fans for kind of rolling their eyes at it because UConn, or, you know, St. John's, Chippy and mouthy as they want to be, they, they're going to have to beat UConn to, to sort of legitimize this conversation. 
Is there any chance that we get hands thrown? I think that's really where I'm at because I do think that my money's if, on Hurley in that one. <laughs> yeah, well, if it's in Carneseca Arena and you know Hurley's already pissed about being there, and then there's some calls that are questionable, and Hurley's about to kill a ref, like Jeffrey Anderson's doing high knees and uh, you know before the game, and then he's making some terrible calls that are in favor of Patino. I do feel like this is much wa- must watch television. Um, you know, next year when this does happen, so uh, I'm just circling that because. Rick Pitino famously fought Pete Carrill, and uh, he told me the story about when that happened. So he's not afraid to throw hands. Dan Hurley is obviously not afraid to throw hands. And we need to old Big East brawl. If we really want it to be old Big East, we need some hands to be thrown. And uh, if, if it happens in Queens, New York, like America's tuning in and America's loving it. That's all I know. Yeah, they're in, the Big East is in a better place than ever, man. I mean, I know we, I love the Requiem for the Big East and everything. I know we've talked about that, but it's 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 amazing. It's really encouraging and exciting for me that they're they're where they are. But another wrinkle to this, another layer to this, is the Nahima Lean thing that um, mm. I thought there was some kind of subtle stuff in in Hurley's press conference about that too. You know, he starts talking about how excited he was for Aline to come back, and then uh, he he made a real another really subtle. I'm I'm reading into this a little bit, and you can tell me if I'm crazy or not. But he made a little comment about a guy sticking around, staying with the program, and he was just saying like hypothetically, you know, he's not one of these guys that had people in his ear. He's not one of these trainers, people who convince him that he's going to be doing more than he actually is. And then he goes and talks about Aline, and he's like. Like, uh, he's like, yeah, I guess he got convinced that he'd have a bigger role at St. John's. And he was just sort of like uh, lamenting the whole thing. I just can't help but wonder if that is not another wrinkle of this that maybe uh, conspiracy theory. Do you think that it's possible? I think it's very possible uh, that like Hurley is just maybe a little bit pissed that the the people within the St. John's circle convinced pulled this kid away that he loved that he thought could have a big role for them. Is there bitterness there? Is that another Absolutely. Sort of subplot? Yeah, yeah I mean, definitely. I mean, he's a national champion. He just won a national championship with you as a role player. You were hoping he was going to step up to be more of a highlighted player on your team. At least that's what you were telling him. And then St. John's and Patino, they they went around the country and they were trying to get anybody and everybody. And it's so funny because you look at these guys like a David Jones or, you know, I mean, a, a day Wusu, right? There's so many of these St. John's guys that are at other teams that are playing well. Posh Alexander and Butler, they're all over the place. And like, Patino ran them out of town and said, like, you guys aren't a part of this program. Now I'm going to go poach guys from other programs. Of course, it's going to ruffle some feathers. Patino knew what he was doing. And to do it to the national champions, he knew the PR play that would look like. It's like, wow, a guy who just won the national championship with UConn wants to go play for another team in the Big East in Queens. Man, what what is Patino selling over there? You know what I mean? And of course, that pissed off Hurley. Like, it's it a fair seems- reason to be pissed off. Re, you know, Hurley's natural state is just kind of like he's angsty. <laughs> he's 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 fiery. I love yeah. him to death. Like Me if too. Dan Hurley like left UConn, I'd be like, please God, can we hire this guy over here? Like uh, he's, I love him to death. But like, um, he's consumed with it. But like when he was talking about the Aline thing, it was like heartache. Like it was, it wasn't anger. It was like you could tell he was like, I love genuinely this hurt by yeah. it. Yeah, and like. Uh, I, I, I thought, thought that was charming. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's another layer. This is heated, man. Like it, it seems like it's a part, like, uh, I'm, I'm going to keep an eye on this St. John's UConn thing. It's, it's a real beef. It seems, it seems legit, man. Can I say one thing? Yeah, please. Absolutely. About, about the, uh, the quote that Patino said about Karnaseka arena and all that stuff. Um, so he, he, I, I don't need to say what exactly he said, but that he was asked again, if he was serious, he goes hundred percent, we're playing them at Karnaseka. It's definitely not a joke. I have my reasons. Love that quote. But the truth is, I guess <laughs> that's going to be one of the bigger games on the calendar. <clears throat> and I think between the MSG and the big East thing, they get to pick 
you know, what get, like the big, the big, you know, flagship games. And like, it might not even be Patino's like in his hands. And I think that would be, you know, that's interesting. A little bit of seasoning to put on it too, where he says all this stuff and then he gets steamrolled by like the Big East and MSG and the games at MSG anyway. So uh, like, it's really not up to him when it comes to, I think, you know, the, the large big ticket games. So UConn he might not fans even have that will choice. go to Queens too. Oh, like he, yeah. Like they, now that it's become a thing, like if it ends up being in Carneseca, like even though there's not as many seats that will be available, obviously, like these people are crazy. They'll stand outside and cheer. You know what I mean? It'll be like the Pfizer Forum with the Bucks fans that are in that little Deer District area. That'll be them outside of Carneseca Arena cheering for the Yukon Huskies watching on their phones. Like these people are insane. So. Um, regardless of where the game is, you're right, Kyle, like the big East will probably be like, we have to have it at MSG. We're going to sell so many tickets. And that's why he's upset. He's like, I don't like to play at MSG and it's not even a home game. You know what I mean? I have UConn fans everywhere and they're calling it stores North or stores South or whatever they call you stores South, uh, obviously. And then Cameron North, these are the Duke fans called Cameron North. Um, but it's going to be fascinating. Uh, another fascinating thing Bettino did, uh, they played Hofstra, and he said Speedy Claxton is an elite head coach and compared him to the likes of Dean Smith, um, which was an incredible quote. And uh, the hyperbole of Rick Bettino is at an all-time level. That's how you know he's doing well. That's how you know he's having fun out there. Um, I love Speedy Claxton. If I were a St. John's fan, I would love for Speedy Claxton to be the next coach after Rick Bettino. So I think that might be some of the reasoning behind you know what he said. But uh, I don't know if you saw this, Kyle, man. And, and what are your thoughts on Speedy Claxton getting this kind of love from Rick Bettino? Patino. It's hard to make sense of Rick's hyperbole <laughs> or to like know whether or not to read into it because he has a tendency to do it with uh, he, he has a tendency to be hyperbolic about people who aren't a direct threat to him in the moment. You know, he's you never yeah. saw him saying stuff about that, about his like opponents, of which there are many and his his villains in his life, of which there are many. So, <laughs> I mean, Claxton, you know, and they won the game. You know what I mean? Right. Like a, yeah, a lot of times you get these compliments after you win the game. You're like, man, they're they're so good because you're trying like Calipari does this. You want to you want to bolster your win as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Hawk, you know, Speedy was a fun player. Uh, one of my favorite things is that he he inspired the nickname of, of a turtle on on Robin Big, a classic show. You know, when you want to talk about classic entertainment, <laughs> yeah. uh, go look that one up. Um, but the, the, the turtle race, really classic episode. You know, eight years as a, an assistant in Hofstra, and, you know, he uh, became the head coach in 2021. We'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll see if he can earn it. But, I mean, I hope it's true. I would, I would love to see it. Like, I, I hope that Patino saw something in his and his game prep and, and stuff like that. It's kind of, it's that interesting balance of like, do star players make great po coaches? And we're kind of seeing with Juwan and Finney. And what about these guys who weren't necessarily star players? Are they, you know, I, I'd love to like sit down and compare those two things. But, you know, Speedy was, uh, was a cerebral player. He had a long NBA career, as we saw. Got, you know, got a lot of money off of that Spurs title that he won. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a wait and see for me in terms of like his legitimacy is, is like, uh, it's the blue blood ladder. You know, we always talk about these players. Is he one of those guys? Is he on the blue blood ladder? Is St. John's the, the implied place that he might go from there? Uh, it's, it's a wait and see thing for me. I'd circle Villanova. Um, that is a, t that is a program that I think speedy Jay Wright, they have their relationship. Jay Wright coached him in Hofstra, obviously. So, um, not to say Kyle, Nep Kyle Neptune's in sole possession of first place in the big East right now. So it's obviously not a right now conversation, but in the future, potentially speedy Claxton could be in that conversation. So I think of those big East programs, he's a name to keep an eye on another name to keep an eye on Caitlin Clark logo game winner, 
um, against Michigan State on Peacock, unfortunately. So a lot of people didn't see this, but they did see the clip and then they decided to say that she didn't get the shot off in time. And then, of course, we see the pictures later. She definitely did. One-tenth of a second. It's already out of her hand. Um, seeing that live and just hearing Kyle pointed this out, the net, just like the sound of the net when she splashed that. Um, she's she's another level of stardom in college sports right now. Like she's she's kind of on her own tier. So shout out to Caitlin Clark. I mean, that was incredible to see. Yeah, I mean, she's up there in that like, you know, main attraction kind of level of like she's she's a superstar. And I, I'm really fascinated to see what there's a lot of comparison that go. I was thinking about this the other day. You know, there's a lot of comparison between you'll hear fans of the men's game. There still are those people out there that'll just kind of downplay and things like that. All it takes is like for one person to sort of bend expectations and then you see a ripple effect of what's possible. And I'm I'm encouraged and excited about the girls out there that watch Caitlin Clark and think like you hear, you know, you just hear people try to delegitimize like the, the, the women's game all the time. I'm excited to see what the response will be from the coming kind of generation of players who emulate her and uh, what that's going to do. It's exciting. You know, it, it's not something um, that's kind of where my mind went initially. That's why I like Caitlin Clark so much. Uh, and then the other thing is I agree with Kyle, uh, the sound I was thinking about my favorite like sounds on makes. Like I, I really enjoy the dung sound whenever you have one that goes down that doesn't move the net. But that when the ball hits the box that's under the rim and you get that click sound, I was trying to think of is that where that comes from? That like like when it swishes but it clicks. Yeah. That's one of the most satisfying things <laughs> if you make a three. Uh and that's what she did on a game winner with her like back foot on the on the beak of the hawk. It was it was a pretty impressive shot. It was awesome. And then her response, I mean, going to the crowd, just basically like, you know, what are you not entertained? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, she she's, <laughs> she's on another level. She's yeah. on another level. And then we had the Dawn Staley tweet, which I sent this to Kyle. Um, she tweeted, heck of a shot, but give the game ball to the ref for the shooting foul call um, with the kind of like, you know, whatever hands. And then, you know, people were reading into this. But uh, we saw Dawn Staley and Caitlin Clark at the Wooden Award ceremony. They literally did like a one-on-one interview. And Caitlin Clark was like, Dawn Staley is one of my favorite players. Dawn Staley says, Caitlin Clark's one of my favorite players players so she did say heck of a shot so i think she gave her credit to caitlin clark and then there was a lot of people trying to read into that like dawn staley's jealous of caitlin clark and all that sort of stuff i don't think that's the case i'm not sure the tweet was necessary um but i'm gonna i'm gonna before i'm gonna leave it before the butt she just said heck of a shot so um i like staley i like caitlin clark we don't need beef we don't have to manufacture beef between those two so leave it there um another thing that we missed that i want to talk about jame Hawkes jr on Christmas Day. Um, I know he's in the NBA. I know he plays for the Miami Heat. But every time Jaime Hawkins Jr. does something, I feel like it's a win for college basketball. He was incredible on Christmas Day. He's Rookie of the Month again um, in the Eastern Conference. Uh, so just want to shout him out because I, I watched that on Christmas with my family. And, you know, my dad loved Jaime Hawkins when he was at UCLA. And we're both watching Jaime Hawkins and we're just grinning ear to ear. I have no, you know, like I'm not a UCLA guy. I didn't go to UCLA. I have no ties to this team. But how could you not love Jaime Jaquez and love watching him play basketball? And uh, I know you do your rookie rankings. Let's put him up there. Like, I know he he's might not be three. number one. Okay, he's, he's number three. Yeah. Let's put him at number two. Let's bump him up. Let's get him Get to off my two. back, Tate. He's number three. You <laughs> want to put him over Wimby and Chet? Come yeah. on now. I think yeah. he's pretty high. Uh, put him no, over I Wimby. Mean, <laughs> I, th I think you're seeing, I mean, with UCLA specifically, I think you're seeing them missing the Hawkeses and the Tiger camp. I think that's the, one of the biggest things, not to get back on them again, but like, uh, yeah, Hawkeses is a guy who, uh, there was a quote the other day from Eric Spolstra. I'm, I'm working on something on Hawkeses right now, actually a Good. little bit more of a dive, but, uh, 
Spolster just said something about, he was just talking about his evolution at UCLA to really tie it to college basketball that like he was, you know, not the main option coming up. This is a guy who was like a top 50 player coming out of high school out of like Camarillo in, in, uh, in, in California. And uh, he said he was just talking about how he learned responsibility. And I think mm. if you watch Hawkes play, um, you see that in his game. He doesn't have wastefulness. He doesn't have like a stupid like, I got to get mine kind of agenda. He's just a winning player. He does winning things. He hits open shots. It's not to say he's like a guy who's like a uh, a passive kind of person. He he will attack. And when he does attack, it's like hilarious at times. Um, Like just how aggressive he is. Like there's, there's mm-hmm. nobody like he was attacking Nas Reed the other night. And I was just like, where does this guy's confidence come from? Like, it's just so, it's so fun to watch, but he definitely is somebody that improved over the course of his time at UCLA. So it's, it's nice to see a player who took their time to go to the league, uh, succeed on the level that he has. Yeah. And someone that wanted to be coached hard. I mean, and it was willing to be coached hard. So shout out to Mick Cronin and shout out to Hami Hawkins Jr. I love both those guys. Um, Detroit Mercy is still defeated. They have not won a game yet. And uh, as much as everyone wants to talk about the Detroit Pistons, Detroit Mercy, I put this down. Detroit Mercy is the real Detroit Pistons. Um, Is there any game that you can see? I kind of went through their schedule that you think that they could actually win. Um, You don't even have to highlight a game, but just in general, do, do we think Detroit Mercy can win a basketball game this year? And if they don't win a game, um, how do we kind of discuss them moving forward? Or like, is this like the all time bottom of the barrel? Like this is their Razzie. This is the, this is the, they're like we have to give them some sort of award because I don't think we've ever seen a team this bad. Uh, well, you know, coached by Mike Davis, which I think is something that, uh, there, there's a name that I think people are like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's the, that's a Leo point at the, at the screen one. I mean, if you look at their bottom of the country and basically every efficiency stat, if I'm looking at like games up ahead here that I think they potentially could win. Oh, Lord almighty. I mean, they might yeah. be able to get IUPUI, maybe, you know, IUPUI on the season is just, they're not as wretched, you know, they're five and 11, <laughs> but one and nine, <laughs> one and four, ninth in the horizon right now. Um, but they can't guard anybody either. They're 352nd in the country. That's one that they maybe could get. I mean, you never, you know, dare to dream. What do you think? That you got one that you got your eyeball on? I, I honestly don't see one. I, I really think they might not win a game. And I think if they don't win a game, then we have to talk about them more because it is even more fascinating. And maybe there's a documentary made about this team because if I keep losing games, the fortitude to continue showing up to practice and going to games and playing games, like I almost have to give credit to them for doing it. So uh, I just wanted to highlight Detroit Mercy. We see you. We speak your name. We know that you're around <laughs> and uh, we're sending <laughs> we're sending good vibes because I know it can't be fun. Um, Seton Hall beat Providence in the amp. Uh, Providence has one of the best, uh, you know, obviously home court advantages in all of basketball right now. But Seton Hall goes in and gets the win. Unfortunately, Bryce Hopkins, best player for Providence, tore his ACL in this game. Uh, hate to see that, but wanted to shout out Seton Hall and the Pirates because they're playing some good basketball. Um, and that was a big win in the amp. Um, another thing that we missed, Jay Wright's birthday is on Christmas Eve. Did you know this? Jay Wright's birthday is on Christmas Eve. That's incredible. Happy no, birthday, I, Jay Wright. I didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> I, I just wanted to shout that out. I had no idea um, that that happened. Uh, I missed that, uh, you know, over Christmas break. I thought that was great. Uh, Miami beat number 13 Clemson, um, and they look like a real legit team, um, as I thought they would. They did not look great against Kentucky. We all watched that game, but this team is kind of coming into form a little bit. They weren't they didn't even have their best player. Technically, Wuga Poplar did not play play in this game, but they were able to handle Clemson. P.J. Hall's taking threes in this game. Lord only knows why, because, you know, North Chad is not the biggest guy in the world, but he does kind of uh, play bigger than his actual you know measurements say. But this is a big win for Miami. So shout out to Coach L 
And uh, I think Miami is going to be a team in the ACC that you have to worry about. Another team in the ACC that you have to worry about, the Carolina Tar Heels. R.J. Davis making his National Player of the Year campaign. It is happening in real time right now. And Seth Trimble has been a nice addition to this team. Number eight in the country. Uh, your Kentucky Wildcats, obviously, uh, the last team that beat North Carolina. That was a fun <clears throat> game. You and I both yeah. enjoyed that, the OSP yeah. Bowl. But uh, what are your thoughts on R.J. Davis? Because he's been great this year. Uh, it took us 50, Kyle, marking the tape, 57 minutes. That's pretty good, Tate. I think that was the first time you mentioned Carolina. I didn't hey. mention Kentucky either. So, you know, in case you missed it, folks, RJ yeah. Davis, uh, put him in the conversation. He's been incredible. Yeah. I mean, he obviously he was, he was borderline unstoppable. Well, we, we couldn't bar, guard. We, I said, we, Kentucky couldn't guard a ball <laughs> screen at the end of that game when RJ was lighting him up. I mean, I, I've always been a fan of RJ. I feel like he was a little bit more sane version of kind of what Caleb was for you guys. Like a guy who clearly was like a dribble shooter, could get to the basket, has some middle game. Yeah, he's a, he's a dynamic scorer. I, you know, it's interesting to see how like all the sort of like secondary playmakers and pieces sort of fit in around him. But he he definitely is the most sensible option, I think, to be your all's offensive engine, I think. Yeah, and Harrison Ingram in that game, 15 rebounds, uh, could not throw it in the ocean, but made an impact outside of that. So Carolina against Pitt, um, you know, Capel had owned Hubert Davis, had not lost to him yet. So that was a big win for the Tar Heels on the road. Um, let's be fair here. Let's talk about the Duke Blue Devils because they look good as well. They blow out Syracuse at home. And Jared McCain has been playing some great basketball. Five-star kid. A lot of people make fun of his TikToks. They make fun of his fingernails. You know, there's a whole lot of those conversations that happen with this guy. But if you watch him play basketball, he's a really good player and he's playing really good basketball. And since Proctor went out with his injury, McCain has really stepped up. And uh, I just wanted to highlight him because he really is, um, you know, been a nice, nice piece for Duke. And they kind of look like the team that we expected to see at the beginning of the year. What's going on with his fingernails? I miss this. He paints his fingernails. Oh, and he wow. does TikToks and, you know, a lot of like, you know, the the people that want to hate on the kid. Like it's very Caleb Williams right at USC. It's it's just a way to kind of throw shade at him. I, I don't really you know, care. He's good at basketball. I, I'm raising a little boy right now. And I'm just going to say when you're a parent of a little boy, you start to really notice how like fucking stupid a lot of the like <laughs> stuff like that is that we impose on ki little kids don't know. And I think when little kids don't know, it just dawns on you how stupid a lot of it is. You're like, yeah, you, you know, you grow up in a generation where there's like just intense homophobia. We we both grew up in the South. It was just like, oh, God, don't wear pink. Oh, God, don't wear, don't paint your nails. Oh, don't wear, don't wear not pants. You know, a lot of the, I, I get on, I get on tirades about this. Uh, who fucking cares? That's my thing about painting your nails. Sorry to, to swear. Uh, but uh, yeah, K J Jared McCain. We had a we had a moment there where we were kind of like balancing the like Caleb Foster, Jared McCain thing. Maybe maybe like the sort of not score first energy of Tyrese Proctor, as much as I love him going on and off ball, maybe just having more of an identity with like McCain in there, getting more of the reps is uh, giving Duke some some uh, identity. Maybe that's, had, you know, they, that, that exactly could be a, that case. I, I think they have much more of an identity with him out there. And he also grew up in Los Angeles. Uh, so that, that's the reason why he behaves in a certain way. But he's in the South right now. So obviously people uh, are, are running with that as, as much as they do. So there you go. Um, DJ Burns, game winner at Notre Dame. NC State, they shot like 26% from the field in this game. They were atrocious. And uh, it was a lot of shot takers, not a lot of shot takers for NC State. But at the end of the game, they give the, the ball to Beast Boy Burns, uh, a guy who is Kyle's guy, uh, one of Kyle's guys and he hits a game winner on the road so I thought that was a great moment so uh, the triangle the tobacco road they're handling business uh, last team on tobacco road Wake Forest is undefeated since Efton Reed's return um, I've seen a lot of bracketology that has Wake Forest outside of the field 
I think that we need to handicap these guys now that they're fully healthy. They're a really, really good basketball team. Hunter Salas has been great. They have a lot of talent, and uh, I really like Wake Forest. And, and, you know, Coach Forbes does a great job in the transfer portal and does it again. So uh, shout out to the Gonzaga Demon Deacons because they got a lot of talent there and uh, they're playing some good basketball. They get it. They get the ACC up to what five teams in the bracketology at this point. Uh, <laughs> My God, yeah, I was right, right to behind take a swipe the, at you for that. Yeah, <laughs> right behind the Mountain West. Uh, well, yeah, way to go, everybody. Uh, mm-hmm. I wonder who's paying Joe Lenardi's salary. Yeah, let's let's look into that. Um, Stanford basketball. That's a fun team to talk about. They beat Arizona. Um, it was a great game for Stoyakovich, uh, son of Peja Stoyakovich. It was excited to see him play, and then they beat UCLA. Um, you know, back-to-back games, back-to-back wins for Stanford. I'm not sure Stanford's a tournament team, but they are a fun team to watch and they have some talent. And uh, it is questionable why those young guys are coming off the bench. I, I, I think that would be my first question to Coach Ass. But regardless, uh, I think Stanford's been fun. And, and what were your thoughts on them and their big win over Arizona? Uh, well, the crowd shots of, of older guys, Stoyakovich, who actually looks good, to be fair. He does. He looks, he yeah. looks he's in good shape, but him and just then like a flannel, you know, rooting, it's it's definitely making me feel old. So there's no avoiding that one. But no, Stanford putting up a lot of points. They they played with a lot more energy than Arizona in that game. I, I was just kind of blown away by, um, of course, Zona, Zona's had a weird kind of balance with, um, you know, they, they, they have... Speaking of Zona, they have like one of the weirdest like net ratings in the country. They've had so many. They'll have like a huge blowout. They've had like four like forty plus point wins, and then they'll have these games where they lose by twenty. They're just like all over the place. It seems like they're just extremely feast for famine. But yeah, Stryakovich looked great. They just uh, Kane and Carlisle. You know, overall, this is a team that uh, when they get hot from three, man, they can really fill it up. They they shoot a lot of threes. They make a lot of threes. They're a fun team to watch. Yeah, Arizona lost to FAU, by the way, in double overtime. That was one of the best games over break. If you didn't watch that game, maybe go back and watch the highlights because it was a very fun game. Uh, a lot of offense in that game. But then FAU followed that up. Speaking of conundrums, they lose to FGCU. Uh, shout out to Dunk City. They get a win over FAU. So that was another uh, you know conversation to be had about you know what college basketball really is. You can never feel comfortable with your team because anything can happen in college basketball. That's why we love it so much. Um, so shout out to FAU for the win over Arizona, but then not for the loss to FGCU. Um, shout out to Utah. Utah's Brandon Carlson, uh, Pac-12 Player of the Week, 34 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists uh, against Washington. He was great in that game. I really like this Utah team. Um, I'm buying into the hype. I think Utah is going to be a tournament team, and I think they're going to be a tough out in the tournament. So I just want to highlight them and give them their due as well. And speaking of Utah as a state, you want to highlight BYU because BYU's offense is incredible. Let's start there because they've looked great as well. Uh, yeah, I was going to try to like t- tie that t- t- to them however I could. Yeah, I spent a little time watching BYU and I was I was just kind of like blown away by just how this team shoots. Uh, yeah, they're shooting, let's see, 33.3 threes per game and hitting at 38%. They have three guys who are pinning up over five of them a game and shooting over 40% from three. Um, this is a team that just has a lot of uphill gravity and then a lot of cutting, which segues to, uh, I didn't get to mention, uh, we'll rattle off really quickly. My other, yeah, please. my other PTP is here. Uh, Ali Khalifa is a player that I want to just talk about really, really quickly here. This is a guy who, um, let me, I, I had it uh, pulled up in front of me. Let me pull it up again. Uh, Ali Khalifa is a big guy for them. And you wouldn't notice him at first because he's a guy who only plays 18 and a half minutes per game. But in 18 and a half minutes, he's averaging 4.2 rebounds, but 4.2 assists. So, mm. folks, if you keep track of advanced stats, that puts his assist to usage rate 
at 2.49, which is the best in the country. That's a lot of assists. Now, granted, he's a little bit of a defensive liability. He's not the quickest dude in the world, but my man can pass. He's got like that mm. rec center game where you're just, he's a fun, he'd be a fun guy to play with if you're a scorer. A lot of cutting offense with them. They're offensively really fun. Uh, you, you know, you were you and I were talking about like sort of uh, the legit test, and maybe we'll do that next time with like Houston and BYU. But uh, they're kind of opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of uh, scoring and and defense. But uh, BYU, really fun team to watch. Uh, Ali Khalifa, another another really fun player to watch. Yeah, shout out to the young Pope, uh, Mark Pope, one of my favorite coaches in the country. Just a very likable guy, very affable dude in general, and uh, just a really good basketball coach. And another name, when you talk about big-time jobs, I mean, I know he loves BYU, but people will throw his name out there because Mark Pope, uh, he knows how to run a basketball program and knows how to coach a team. So shout out to him. Uh, another shout out, shout out to Nebraska. They look like a tournament team in their win over Indiana. Um you know, Fred Hoiberg is is a guy that we need to talk about. Nebraska has never won an NCAA tournament game. That is one of my favorite stats in college basketball. They've had some good players. Ty Lue, of course, you know, head coach of the Clippers, played at Nebraska. But this could be the year that Nebraska wins their first NCAA tournament game. Uh, they have some talent there. And uh, I like the way that they played. I mean, they blew out Indiana. So shout out to Fred Hoiberg. Um, in a time where we want to talk about the the coaches that have failed and are not doing so great, let's talk about one that's doing good this year. So shout out to Hoiberg. He's looked good. Um, Andre Curbelo, if you remember him, I used to call him Lonzo Small. He mm -hmm. uh, played for Illinois back in the day, played at St. John's, transferred to Southern Miss, and he recorded the first triple-double at Southern Miss since 1980 last night. So um, shout out to Andre Curbelo. Good to see him back uh, in the ether of college basketball. Love to see that. Um, another guy, speaking of Illinois, Marcus Domask drops 32 points against Northwestern. We saw him earlier in the year have a 30-point game. Without TJ Shannon there, they need somebody to step up from a scoring standpoint. Domask looks like he could be that guy, so uh, good news for Illinois fans. He's playing some good basketball. Another guy that came back that's playing some good basketball, Raquan Battle, getting his shots up at West Virginia. This man, um, if he gets the basketball, it's going up, and uh, you know they're still losing games at West Virginia. Kirk Kreisa is not playing <laughs> as you would hope he would, given the NIL money that he was given. But uh, what are your thoughts on Raekwon Battle? Because I know he's playing some uh, some good basketball right now. He, he was the next PTP guy. He was the next uh, no, notable performer. Uh, yeah, 29 against Radford, uh, you know, 29 against Toledo, and, and 24 against Ohio State. He's not getting many assists, so it's kind of a typical Raekwon. I, I think we're just seeing super Raekwon right now. You know, mm. and uh, his social media thing, I know it's been sort of an up-and-down <laughs> ride for us. He wrote that really nice farewell note, and everybody was like, dang, what a great guy. Uh, good to see him on the court. Good to see him getting shots up. Raekwon Battle, all-time name team. Um, yeah. Did you, do you want me to drop my, my last one that I wanted yeah, to mention? Yeah, please. Drop uh, it. We were talking about Michigan losing games. Just wanted to highlight a guy that is very fun to watch. If you haven't watched Elijah Hawkins from Minnesota, he's a Howard transfer. Um, he is like a water bug point guard. He's very fast. He gets in the seams of the defense. And whenever I watch him, I kind of, uh, it reminds me of Ant-Man and that Marvel movie where he like runs between, you know, the Iron Man's like armor. He's like one yeah. of those guys. He gets down in there. You're like, where is he? I can't, you know, <laughs> like uh, he's very fast, very good passer in his last three games. Uh, he's averaging 12.7 uh, points, 8.7 assists, and 2.3 steals uh, in wins over Maine, Ball State, and Michigan. So he's a guy that is just kind of an electric um, kind of think somewhere in that phylum of like a uh, he's not the score that Marquise Noel is, but he's sort of that severe Wheelery kind of. But I I think he's quicker than Wheeler even like uh, he's he's a really, really good interior passer. Fun player. Yeah. 
Yeah, we love small guys that just get it done. That's why Muggsy Bogues is my guy. So shout out to him. That's a great one. Uh, this is one of my guys. This is my only guy. Otto Landrum at Boston University. I want to shout him out because this guy is Josh McRoberts 2.0. And not Josh McRoberts at Duke where he was setting screens for J.J. Redick. I'm talking about Josh McRoberts with the Bobcats where he's initiating offense. He's basically a point forward. So uh, if you haven't seen this guy, Otto Landrum, he is a character to say the least. Uh, you know, Kyle, man, you pulled up his picture and you were dying. Uh, he is just a fun basketball player to watch. I mean, I, I have some friends that went to BU. BU's a fun school. Uh, you know, some, you know, some, just some good people that have gone there. So I like BU at some level, but I have never really locked into their basketball program. But Otto Landrum, you have my attention and I'm watching him play. And uh, I just want to highlight that for everybody out there. If you haven't seen him, go go watch him play some basketball. Go check out the clips. Yeah, his he's got kind of like I just got out of bed kind of vibes in his media day fo- photo. Like I almost feel like he should be wearing a coonskin cap. Like there's kind of a like there's kind of Scott Farkas energy a little bit. Love redheads. Uh, you know, like it's it's nice to see the the ginger community doing really well in college basketball. Yeah. Nothing against them. Don't don't tweet me. Don't at my sister is a ginger, so we always have that kind of you know it's a, it's a touchy subject. Anyway, we root for them. But no, fun player. Um, yeah, I told you also kind of some Harlan Williams vibes and that. Kind yeah. of yeah. Threw us down a, a wormhole of talking about. <laughs> yeah, we started we started just shouting on Harlan Williams characters that we loved, and uh, he's got a great podcast. Kyle was like Harlan's Highway. I'm like, go check it out. You know what I mean? It, it, shout out to all the people out there that are making podcasts. We appreciate it, and uh, we we got to give you your due. Shout out um, to all of them. Yeah, <laughs> shout out to the billion podcasts that are out there. Um, shout out to New Mexico, uh, Colorado State. They got the primetime treatment on FS1. Um, so the Mountain West is getting more treatment uh, from the uh, the the publicity side than the ACC at this point. And that was a fun game. Uh, New Mexico made a nice little run there. Jalen House was incredible in this game. Son of Eddie House. He just got on fire. And when he was, I mean, he had foul trouble, but when he was on the court, yeah, when he was on the court, I mean, he was a firecracker. So I I thought that was a great game. Shout out to Colorado State for the win there. And uh, I saw this Saturday um, at the pit, Michael Cooper, Yes, that Michael Cooper will be there uh, for all the New Mexico fans. So uh, you got little Patino, you got Michael Cooper, you got a nice little, uh, a lot of energy happening there with New Mexico basketball. So, you know, shout out to the Lobos. They're playing some good, some good basketball right now. Um, Shout out to Chris Beard. Uh, he's still undefeated at Ole Miss. And uh, I just have to keep saying that until he loses the game. They do play Tennessee this weekend. So uh, that could be a chance for Tennessee and Dalton Connect and Rick Barnes to send a statement there. But um, mentioning all these big jobs that could be opening up, uh, Chris Beard will be in that conversation. And that'll probably be an uncomfortable conversation for some people involved. But Chris Beard's a good basketball coach. And Ole Miss looks like a really good team right now. So shout out to him. Shout out to the Jelly fam, Javon Quinterly. Game-winning three to beat Tulsa last night. And uh, you and I, at the beginning of the year, we're like, are we ever going to talk about Jelly Fam again? Turns out we will because Javon Quinterly yeah, continu- continues to exist. And uh, Memphis you know, gets away with the win there against Tulsa. That was great to see. Um, happy belated birthday to Rob Dillingham. Um, I have a question for you. Is Rob Dillingham a top 10 pick? Because uh, I keep seeing these draft boards and he keeps inching closer and closer to being that. And I think he might end up being a top 10 pick. I might be exaggerating, but it feels like that's where the momentum is leading. Um, If there were ever a year for his sort of like... um it's it's a sort of a tumultuous like up and down conversation. If there were ever a year for him to sneak up there and get the consideration, it's this one. Because if you, you talk to any kind of evaluator, they're all just like, "I hate this class." It's 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 pretty it's pretty uh, rough terrain out there. I don't know if we'll come around and talk ourselves into some 
some, uh, but m- most everybody I talk to across the board is just kind of, unless they're quietly and just lying to me, n- people don't even like talking about this class. It's, it's pretty mm. wild. So, um, I, I feel like draft content in general has just been a little lower. I just feel like the enthusiasm is low this year, but Dillingham, I've been really impressed with him, man. Every single, this is true about him, whether, you know, I think his performance would be a separate thing, but he always acts like he's the most talented player on the court. I feel like that would be true regardless of whether it was, but it has like, he has been like really the most, I think he's, you know, him and Shepard are the most skilled players. He's a really good live dribble passer. He's a really good live dribble shooter. Um, He's been, you know, playing up to the boundaries that Cal's created for him. You were joking about the, I get two a half <laughs> thing, but He's very skilled. I think you just kind of have to look at like what he would be at the next level. I think he's probably like a rotation pl- level player, most likely, basically driven by his size. If he was like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, I think we could have some conversations about who he could be. But he's really small, pretty good athlete. He'll get picked. I mean, he's going to be a first rounder. I, I just think, you know, is, is he going to be sort of like a second unit flamethrower type of guy? That's what I expect. You know, a guy that you play in like sort of spurts. But uh, very, very talented. And this is a good year for him, I think, to go make some money, honestly. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people say Bones Highland for Dillingham. I think he's better. I I, I think I would take Dillingham over Bones. I know Bones is a little bit bigger, but I I, I like Dillingham. And it is funny with Kentucky. It's like Dillingham and Shepard are now the guys that are like lottery considerations when really it was supposed to be Wagner and Edwards. You know what I mean? It's it's wild how like they've kind of switched spots or swapped spots, whatever you want to say. So shout out to him. Happy birthday, Rob Dillingham. Uh, speaking of the draft, Zach Eady is now a lottery pick, according to Draft Express. He's there at number 14. I never thought in my wildest dreams that, you know, he you would see Zach Eady as a lottery pick. But you mentioned people are down on this draft in, in any capacity. And Zach Eady is probably going to be the national player of the year again. So uh, him as a lottery pick is uh, I have to do a double take every time I see it, but it's good for college basketball. Um, just like Hami Hawkes playing great on Christmas day. It's good for college basketball. So shout out to Zach Eady. Shout out to him being a lottery pick. We love to see that. Does he translate at any level? Like, do you see a world in which Zach Eady can actually like, is he just another big on the bench? I mean, everybody needs an extra big against a, you know, a Jokic or a Wimby or, you know, whatever it is. So maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Um, it, it's tough. You know, he's got sort of a limited game. If, if you watch, of course, you know, don't 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 bet so confidently because, you know, we've seen guys like, uh, you know, Colin Castleton's kind of gotten a, a cup of coffee in the NBA. He's doing OK. He might even do better. Uh, you know, I Luke like Cornette, Castleton. Yeah. Luke Cornette playing with the Celtics. He gets in things like that. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't rule it out whether or not you want to sort of bet on him for that price at that spot. Uh, it, it's again, it's it's the Dillingham thing too. It's just like in this in this draft, it might be the best value play at that spot if you consider all the sort of you know here and or there kind of guys that are being you know considered. He's somebody that you know will will he get put in a blender a lot? It's going to come down to that. Like how well is he going to be able to move laterally? He's probably going to be a drop big in the NBA. Um, I don't know. He he seems like sort of a rotation big at best to me. Is he going to be like a star? I really don't think so because um, there's just too much speed at the five position for him in the NBA. I feel like to be like somebody that plays a lot of minutes. Yeah. Um, but that, yeah, I, th- I think he'll get he'll get a chance. It's just uh, I, I don't I don't know that I'm I'm not necessarily seeing him as like a rotation big in the NBA, honestly. 
if they got rid of defensive three seconds, I think Zach Eady would be incredible in the NBA. I think well, you yeah. just like you just put him under the basket and just say like, "Good luck," you know what I mean? Good luck driving and trying to dunk on this guy. But otherwise, I, I can see the limitations. People pull him out to the three point line. He's got to move his feet, and we get the Kofi Coburn situation where you're like, uh, "This is not going to work," you know what I mean? The, this guy can't slide. Um, but I, I liked him as a lottery pick. That's great. Uh, another one, in case you missed it, Jim Beheim does not believe in Kim Palm. Says he doesn't even look at it. Um, I just thought that was incredible. I love Jim Beheim post being a coach. Uh, I did not like him as much as a head coach, but I love him uh, as a commentator. He's been incredible. So shout out to Jim Beheim. That's been fun. Um, shout out to Dennis Evans. Uh, you know, no longer medically cleared to play basketball. Uh, thoughts and prayers to him. I, I really liked him. He seemed like a good kid. Louisville just like the, it just keeps getting worse for Louisville. Uh, every single time you think you're you're at the bottom, uh, you continue to fall down. Uh, you know another floor to another rock bottom. So um, hated to see that. And uh, you know you know poor one out for him. Um, last thing, as far as in case you missed it, here's the current Kim Palm top 10. If you are, if you are not Jim Beheim and you care about the Kim Palm top 10, here, here you have it right now, as it currently stands, Houston, number one, then you have Purdue, Arizona, BYU, UConn, Alabama, Tennessee, Illinois, Duke, Auburn, and then at number 11, you have North Carolina. So, um, there's your top 10 plus one right now, according to Kim Palm. If you look at those 11 teams, which one do you feel the most confident? If you close your eyes, you're saying I could see them winning the national championship. No, that's a loaded question. Uh, I still wait. Was UConn in there? I, I, UConn uh, is in there. Yeah, yeah. UConn's five. I, I UConn and Purdue are the two that I and, and Kansas. I mean, those those are the three like we talked about. Kansas before. not I, in the top ten, by the way. Yeah, I, I think that's really yeah, that's the fascinating one. Their flaws, I feel like, are going to catch up to them. I, I feel like UConn is so dynamic, and they have a lot of the same size, you know, credibility that these other teams have. I would lean towards UConn repeating just because, you know, they've got a couple wings that I think if they can sort of round into form with Castle and getting back in his legs under him and uh, and uh, and Jalen also. So I, I I still am leaning towards UConn, but uh, but we'll see, man. I don't know. They could they could get knocked off, too. Yeah, my two teams last year were Arizona and UConn. My two teams this year are Arizona and UConn. I do think that they are the teams. I don't trust Arizona, man. I just don't. I, I, I don't know. I just need them to play defense. I, yeah. I need them to care about defense. And they did last night. So I I, I will give them the benefit of the doubt that they did last night. Um, but that, there you have it. Um, there, there's, uh, in case you missed it, that's what's happening in college basketball. If I didn't mention it before, Villanova has sole possession of first in the Big East. I just want to reiterate that because um, I feel like people talk about Villanova as if they're having a down year. But they just struggled in the Big Five. Everywhere else, the Bahamas and outside of the Big Five, they're playing good basketball. So Villanova, uh, sole possession of first in the Big East. So, uh, you know, in case you missed it, they're playing some good basketball. Also, happy 99th birthday to Lou Carnesecca. Um, you know, I know we talk about St. John's and Rick Pitino on this show a lot. I do think if Carnesecca gets to 100, knock on wood, fingers crossed, prayers, let's hope he does. He needs to take the Wilt picture, right? He needs to do the 100 picture, at, you know, oh, yeah. at Carnesecca Arena before the UConn game when they play and Hurley and Pitino fight each other. That would be the best case scenario as far as the drama that needs to be there. So uh, shout out to Karnaseka. Uh, a couple quick shout outs before we get out of here. Shout out to the Angus Barn. I was there with my family in Raleigh, North Carolina, and an OSP fan uh, wrote on a napkin um, that he was a big fan, and he paid for our drinks there with my family before I left Raleigh. So um, it was an anonymous thing, which is a very powerful move, very Larry David anonymous move. I like that. And uh, we love to see OSP fans out there. So shout out to them. Um, I wanted to shout out World War II. 
I am on a World War II kick unlike any other. Um, my grandpa fought in Iwo Jima, Iwo Jima and uh, my my mom's dad was in the Battle of the Bulge. And I watched this Netflix documentary and I've just gone down an absolute rabbit hole. I'm watching Fury. I'm just like, it is my Roman Empire. So I just first wanted to sign shout that it you're out. getting old, Tate. That's yeah, the first right. Sign. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, that, that was my Christmas break. Uh, it was just like locking into World War II uh, conversations and coverage. So there you go. Um, I, uh, shout, shout out Cormac McCarthy. I've been reading Blood Meridian. You know, I wanted to <laughs> shout that out. I've been Love trying that. to talk about it with anybody that will, you know, <laughs> let's <dark> talk about <laughs> Had me in a nihilistic place a little bit yeah. uh, over the winter, over Christmas. But uh, yeah, shout out, shout out to Blood Meridian while we're throwing random shout outs. I mean, I, I love that so much. Uh, I'm also reading the Neon Bible right now. Um, if you haven't read that book. Uh, Arcade Fire? Or, uh, no, no, no. John Kennedy Toole, who wrote A Confederacy of Dunces. Uh, this is his second book. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I just the people out there are like, what the hell is the neon Bible? That's also a book uh, that, that, I'm, that I'm locked in on right now. So a lot of good stuff happening. Uh, shout out to Jimmy Kimmel, by the way, taking on Aaron Rodgers. Um, oh, yeah. What what a great tweet that was. I saw asshole. that live. The a asshole yeah, a, was great. A, a, a asshole. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I watched that live when McAfee said that, and I was like, wow. Or not McAfee. Rogers said that on McAfee, and I was like, oh, man, this is going to be you know, interesting to say the least. Uh, so that's been a fun little battle to watch. Um, that's been great. I had Cat Williams the interview on Club Shay Shay. If you haven't watched that, we talked about it for about five minutes on the show. Go check that out. An incredible interview. Um, but that's all I got. I mean, it's been two weeks, so we had a lot to dump here. I know it's been a long episode. Kyle, do you have any shout outs for the people out there? I know you had some uh, stories that you found uh, in the college basketball I world. I got three shout outs. Uh, we love to point out a merciless beatdown. We don't necessarily love to see it, but we love to point it out. Uh, the Grambling State Women's uh, set Ooh. the new record. I think it's the women's record. It might just be, I mean, for, for all I know, it could be the record of, of largest margin of uh, victory at all. They beat the College of Biblical Studies 159 to 18. <laughs> That's a hundred and uh, hundred and forty one uh, point margin of victory. That is wow. the new. Uh, they beat the last one that was set in 2018. <laughs> uh, Grambling is six and five. Uh, and they, so they really, they really, the scheduling gods worked out uh, for them. They jumped out to a 34-0 lead. Uh, and then the they, uh, the biblical studies scored uh, at the two fourteen mark of the opening quarter. So they they didn't completely get shut out in the first quarter, but just I got just an idea for Detroit Mercy. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, biblical studies. See if yeah, biblical is, studies has a men's yes. team. Yes, you know, yes. blessed are the meek. You know, and they 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 got they're studying. They don't have time to practice. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. so, and I think the studying's paying off. Blessed are the meek. They're turning the other cheek. They're I just I just think. I don't know. I don't see that this is a bad thing. I think that they're doing the right thing. They're giving them the shine. It's yeah. it's uh, it's it's the right way to go. I yeah. appreciate the humility. Good Love guys. That. I'm good yeah. girls. Good gals. Whatever. <laughs> uh, uh, we don't get to try not to get political on this show. Uh, but uh, Nikki Haley said something not too long oh. ago that pissed a lot of people off while she was you know kind of doing her campaign thing. Oh, and no. that is, of course, we're talking about Caitlin Clark. She was at the Iowa State tailgate uh, right before <laughs> Iowa played um, uh, Minnesota. And here's her quote. This is not good. Uh, so we're super excited to see the Iowa women, Haley says. What a team they are. What a great coach. Caitlin Collins is phenomenal. Oh. Uh, you could see the faces of the people sitting behind her doing the you know, just oh, no. uncomfortable looking at each other like, oh, no. Tate said this is exactly uh, an episode of Veep. I would watch this episode 100%. Yeah. Um, just uh, just Sorry, sorry to see that happen. It wasn't the game where she hit the the uh, the game oh, winner, good. which would have been perfect. This was yeah. uh, versus Minnesota, uh, but still, just uh, 
Thought I wanted to point it out. Still, you, still you not fall sure. On the sword there. <laughs> like if you're Nikki Collins Haley, you bl- you blame everybody on your staff. You're like they kept saying Caitlin Collins to me. Yeah. These yeah, idiots. I know these who she is, Gary, yeah. Gary screwed that up. Yeah, yeah. Gary. Yeah. Gary leaned in and said God the wrong damn it, thing. Jonah. Yeah, yeah. You, you, yeah. You throw a muffin <laughs> at Jonah or Gary for sure. Like that's that's the action, uh, man. Uh, you hate to see it. I mean, she had good intentions. Uh, right logic, wrong pick. You know. Yeah. That's there you just go. How it works. I uh, <laughs> a, a quick very micro story here. I used to wed- wedding. Uh, DJ weddings for for my buddy who owned a wedding venue and a, a friend of mine got married at the wedding venue and this was like a just sort of a gathering of people I hadn't seen in like 15 years and they just kept bringing me like jello shots and stuff so I'm trying to DJ and I'm just getting more inebriated and at one point I get on the mic and I say I introduce the couple and I said the wrong I said the the bride's name wrong I said the wrong name <laughs> oh no <laughs> and Caitlin and, uh, Collins. That person, every t- they might even be listening. That person, every time they saw me, brought it up for like years. So I never lived that one down. So I, I feel you. I feel you there, uh, uh, Nikki. So yeah, sometimes it happens. Uh, it I feel bad for her. And uh, Caitlin Clark, she'll be all right. We all know Caitlin Clark. So uh, Caitlin she Collins does to. sound like a player, though. You know what I mean? It might. Just it be does sound else. like a player. It does sound like an <laughs> Iowa-ish player, doesn't it? But yeah, uh, right. Doug she Collins' reached, niece or something. Yeah. She, yeah, right. she, t- she tweeted something like, uh, Kayla Clark's uh, shooting percentage is better than mine. Whoever Caitlin Collins is, she's probably like a sales insurance somewhere in the Midwest. But uh, yeah. so that that happened. The last one, this is a little nice one for you, Kyle, man. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of 42, Doug. I think if there was a pie chart, Tate would have the biggest awareness of 42, Doug. But I don't know. I'm just I don't want to judge a book by its cover. But uh, I'm not I know he's a rapper. I'm, I know he's a new age rapper. He's 29 years old, but he used the we form when talking about the Kentucky Wildcats. We don't just be talking. We show up. Cal got himself another one. Uh, so that's nice. Maybe you want to go listen to something. I'm I'm as the as the years go by, my purview gets shorter, so I'm not really sure. I've heard the name, uh, but I think you want you want people like that. And the last thing I would say is Cameron. Shout out to you because he dropped yeah. a uh, the new season three uh, of uh, It Is What It Is, the show that I only watch in clips on the internet, but I'm sure it's a great so show. Uh, he did a freestyle to open it. It was like a two and a half minute freestyle in his suit in the Blue Wire Pod Studio. It was great. And I would just like to say, if you wanted to take that kind of love and bring it to St. John's, that would be really that would be welcome. If if Kentucky can get 42 Doug, maybe St. John's could get Cameron. That'd be great. For- 42 Doug's a Detroit guy. So that's that's a pretty big loss for Michigan as well. So that, that's that's a big and Detroit mercy. See- yeah, he's yeah, in Detroit Mercy. He's a CMG guy, Yogati guy, so also a loss for Memphis. So I knew big you were gonna Kentucky. Know. Yeah, there you go. Big win yeah, for I'm big not win aware for the Wildcats. Uh yeah. <laughs> I mean, Kyle, you have a you have like a you have a John Mayer shirt. I think that kind of speaks to our range of right. I mean, that's kind of where we both Oh, I've are. got range guy, yeah. I've got range. I've got range. No, I mean, I love, I love it, Bob. But yeah, that you've never not seen on my, my range. <laughs> little Steve Winwood at Frolic Room the other day. I mean, I yeah. really, I mix it up. I mean, little yeah. night moves, Bob Seeger. Yeah. I mean, am I going to turn on raucous, you know, kind of stuff first? Probably, probably, you know, that's kind of, I like to reach back for that kind of, you know, but uh, anyway, no, I'll, I'll have to check out. I saw he has a Ron Artest song. I kind of was skimming through. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> not, the production value is not my favorite. You know, I don't really, I'm not, in, I'm not, not, not trying to make this a production conversation, but like Pro Tools to Death, I'm kind of in any genre. I'm not really into country, rap, whatever it is. I like stuff that breathes, sampling the vinyl <laughs> with the machines, you know, that's kind of yeah. where Maybe I Maybe Cal will talk to him about that. Yeah. yeah, talk to him, well, Cal, Cal. Figure yeah. it out. Figure it out. Yeah, yeah. We'll all have that conversation. Uh, shout out to everybody that's uh, waited for two weeks for the show to come back. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, and the good news is that we have Kyle Man back 
on Monday. So this is going to be, we're going to keep running it up. You know what I mean? So this is going to be a back-to-back OSP Kyle Man uh, situation we got going here. So I appreciate everyone's patience. Um, I can't wait to go to sleep and try to sleep off this COVID that I got going. And hopefully I get my smell back by Monday. Uh, fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. This is One Shining Podcast. And again, we will see you on Monday. Thanks again to our friends at FanDuel. Must be 21 or older and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG. In Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Vermont, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-88-789-7777 or visit CCP org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.